on this week's episode of This Week in Cricket on the Top Order Podcast. YJB administers a self-nutmeg. Finn Allen and Mark Chapman are impressive in a victory over Scotland. We talk about the White Ferns keeping in the medal hunt at the Commonwealth Games. And Binksy's not here, so you've got me doing the intro this week. All that and more coming up on This Week in Cricket. Stay tuned. Well, boys, with Binksy over in Birmingham, actually, for the Com Games. On holidays, though, not actually representing the Top Order podcast at the events. We turn our attention, I think, first to England against South Africa in the T20s. Three T20s just been completed. South Africa rattling off a 2-0 victory and an incredibly Jekyll and Hyde-like performance from them. What caught our eye in that series, Stu? Oh, well, I think what's caught my eye first off is just the enthusiasm you've come into the yes. show with. Very excited, very excited with that. Uh, yeah, very, very pleased. And I, I think actually uh, the the reason you've started with England South Africa really is just because you want to talk more about Johnny Bairstow because I think uh, Binksy touched on it last week. I, I've been I have I have been focused on the New Zealand stuff, so I have been watching some cricket, but I I have not been watching the England South Africa stuff. So yeah, really. You, I'll throw it straight back to okay, you. And you. You can just do your Johnny Bairstow rant for a few minutes yeah, and then we can move on. Give, give me a couple of minutes to go into Johnny Bairstow again because he's got more runs than anyone. It's, it, it's just incredible. I'm, I'm actually unprepared to talk about how many superlatives I have for Johnny Bairstow at this point. Anytime you can deliberately, not in premeditated fashion, but, but deliberately self-nutmeg for four... <laughs> From a Yorker where the bowler has followed you and delivered a perfect delivery and just casually nutmeg yourself and then direct it down to the fine length battery. That's that's form of a lifetime kind of stuff. I mean, he's just incredible, Johnny Besto. He's been fantastic. The actual player that's caught my eye, though, for South Africa is Reza Hendricks. He's had a pretty good T20 series. Um, I'm just having a look at his recent performances here. Just give me a sec while I bring that up. While, while you're doing that and thinking, I, I, I have been, I mean... The one thing that I have seen around the the numbers of this, it kind of seems ridiculous to me that I think I saw England has played 12 uh, white ball games in the last 25 days, which sort of, again, touches on some stuff we talked about last week about the scheduling and, and kind of how ridiculous that is. Also, they've struggled a little bit in this white ball stuff. We'd praise them a lot about um, all the work they've done in their test game over the summer. Mm. I'm fascinated to see not how it translates because I know it's a completely different group of people, but I think... Now, there might be some, not complacency in the England camp, but I, I suppose there's some thought maybe that England now goes into this test series as, you know, warmish favourites against South Africa, but I actually have a lot of faith in South Africa as a as a side that what we've seen from them in the past six months. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really, as much as I haven't watched any of that White Bull stuff, I'm really interested to see what ha- happens in that test series. Well, let's, let's just go back to Reza Hendricks. So, f- last three bats, he's made 70... 53 and 57 in this series so far and he has looked excellent I haven't seen him very much until I started watching the highlights of this series and he looks like a well I was going to say a player for the future but he's already on the international <laughs> scene so you know he's already arrived but he looks like a fantastic cricketer and that top order for South Africa is starting to come together you know you have Aidan Markram starting to regain some form 12 months ago he was looking like he was he was woefully out of form so there's some guys coming through in that side Riley Rousseau the same David Miller their captain is a, is a talismanic player as well so there's plenty to like about in that batting lineup. And then for the bowlers, you know, Tabray Shamsi took a bunch of wickets, Maharaj took a bunch of wickets, and then you throw in Norkia, Ngidi, Filakwayo, and of course, Kagisa Rabada. And that's the beginning of a very, very good, on paper, T20 side. What we saw in this series, of course, was catching is 
the bellwether for the South African side. If they catch well, they're capable of winning games and could be dangerous at the T20 World Cup. But in that loss to England where they caught poorly, it really impacts their cricket. So outfield becomes very, very important for South Africa going forward. And fielding, I guess, is the the one facet of the game that you can improve really quickly as well. Absolutely. Um, but like you said, I think that there's incredible performances across the board. Look at the batsmen, look at the bowlers. You mentioned Shamsi taking five for, and Giddy took five for early in the earlier in the series as well. Riley Rousseau scored an 80-odd, I think, or 70-odd. Mm-hmm. And the one you didn't mention that actually caught my eye from the first 2020 was Tristan Stubbs. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw that innings, but he was just dispatching them so cleanly. If the ball was in his arc, it was just going over the rope. He was absolutely destroying it. Uh, kind of in the, um, I'm not sure where um, Russie Vanderdussen is, but he reminded me very much of that. And uh, geez, if you could have a couple of guys like that in your side, either seeing you home or seeing you through those, you know, consolidatory periods which in 2020 is hitting sixes and fours. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, they're going to be very, very strong. Yeah, you add van der Dusen into that team and there's, and there's lots and lots of talent there. Conversely for England, you have a look at this side on paper, Butler, Bairstow, Dawood Milan, Jason Roy, Liam Livingston, where they're missing Ben Stokes, sure, Owen Morgan's retired, but that looks like the nucleus of the side that's going to come to Australia in this T20 World Cup that's coming up. That top order misfired in this series. They were bowled out for 100. They lost two games out of three. Okay, yes, they're going to have some some hit-and-miss games. That's the nature of that explosiveness of that attack. Do we think England should be concerned about that batting? Oh, I, I wouldn't be concerned. I, I just think as much as, yeah, like we said last week, I, I think you just play so many games in these formats now. I, I really, I think what you're trying to hone in on is what's my best 11. Mm. And, I, and I really... I mean, maybe for Matthew Mott, who's just coming into the side and kind of getting his feet under the desk and, and figuring out that would be the most important thing that I'm trying to do if I'm into the, into that environment. Obviously, you want to win games and you want to start putting scores on the board. But when I'm looking at this, I'm thinking, who is my best 11 and what, what sort of combinations am I looking at and how can I balance my side to go into that tournament in, in some good form, which is actually, what, three months away or something? That's actually a reasonably or that's probably only two a couple of months away anyway, isn't it? But that that's actually a reasonably long time in in T Twenty cricket, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. I mean, the only thing that would concern me is if you looked at Jason Roy bat in this series. I didn't watch his game overnight where he's made seventeen off eighteen, but it looks to me like he's like Jason Roy is in his own head. He really looks like if you see him for just like two or three shots. In that innings, he pumped one over cover in the second game, and I thought, oh, he might be away here. And then he just gets in his own head, and he gets gets stuck, and then hits a bad, plays a bad shot and gets out. Mm. I feel like he's probably the one that England are looking at, or he's looking at his own performance and going, am I where I need to be coming into this World Cup? If you have a look at the leading run scorers in the Vitality Blast, James Vince scored 678 runs at an average of 48 and a strike rate of 146. So there's a ready-made replacement to come into that top order. You stick Bairstow up, Vince comes in at four, problem solved. So he's probably the one I think they're thinking about in terms of do we have the right balance for that team. But their bowling looks okay. 
the thing is, there's nothing that really scares me, and, and that's and that's probably something that I should take back at some point. <laughs> I think the the actual the the alarm bells are ringing for me actually with the bowling, uh, and the, the reason being that you know the the times where England didn't score runs, where they got 101 and 149. Well, 149 is a good score, but not when you're chasing over 200. Mm. The lowest score that so if we gotten this series was 191 in a yep. 2020 game. That's a problem. That is a problem, and you're always going to be under pressure as a batting side if you know you're going to have to go at tens but it's, I find it interesting like maybe it's just because New Zealand's been playing uh, some of the, the the weaker sides or the associate nations associate nations um, Ireland's a test nation Carol yeah so the, the, the nations which are um, lower, maybe lower a bit weaker on paper but it seems that 2020, uh, 220 is, is the new 160 or 180 it's, it's incredible that that number is getting hit so often yeah, I mean, do we want to move to, to New Zealand? Do you want to? You want to? You got anything else to add on on South Africa? Not, not, not really. The only thing that I did want to say is I'm so glad that Mo Ali is back in that in that England side. I think he's going to be a difference maker in Australia because he gives them a second spin option without taking away any of their batting, and they can play Adil Rashid. I'm not sure about the makeup of their bowling lineup yet. I think we might see an out and out pace bowler come into that side for the Australian T20s. I did also have a point there on Moin Ali. I think he's going to be massive for England, but I think that he needs to play that number three role somewhere and bat through the innings. Absolutely. Uh, don't try and let him come in and be a finisher. Let him bat through the innings and set up a score for yep, you. Absolutely. You could bat around Mo Ali and, and make big scores in Australia with that firepower that they have. Let's move on to New Zealand Scotland now. Uh, New Zealand's chasing down a big total from Scotland. Probably unexpected for, for my, from my point of view for Scotland to make 300 against New Zealand in an ODI, mm. but it feels like that they chase that down pretty easily in the end. Yeah, well, look, I, I haven't seen a huge amount of the New Zealand batting overnight. Um, I've been busy all day at work, but I did watch last night, and when I went to bed at, at around midnight last night, New Zealand, uh, Scotland was 107 for five, and I, w- I was thinking, okay, you know, it was this, it was the Michael Bracewell show again. He'd kind of just picked up three wickets. He'd spun one back through the gate, which I uh, certainly delighted me. But you know, it was a, it was, it had the feeling of the first two T20 games that. Okay, Scotland's going to put a, you know, an okay-ish score on the board here, and New Zealand's going to win this quite comfortably. But look, they made them work, getting up to three hundred, an excellent effort there. And uh, and Mark Chapman, I mean, basically just kind of saying, look, don't forget me, I'm still here. We kind of have been praising all the work that Michael Bracewell's done. We talked about Phillips and Nisham and Mitchell. Chapman just quietly in this, you know, hasn't re- hasn't had any opportunities up until the Scotland tour, and now has put a couple of scores back to back and saying, "Remember me? I was in the T20 World Cup squad that you took uh, over to the UAE. I had a really good domestic season. So yeah, look, I'm still around." Is he contracted? Did Mark Chapman get a contract? This this contract cycle? I don't think so. No, he's, no, he's not in the contract. So he's cycle. got a point to prove now, really, doesn't he? To, to- I don't think he's had one before. Um, I could be wrong. Look. On that, I don't. I don't know that I pay too much attention, but I don't. I don't think he he is. Probably more because his formats, I suppose, uh, for this stage, how he's been viewed for New Zealand is more the T Twenty format, and mm-hmm. that's kind of the lowest on the rankings. But. Sure. I've been a real fan of, of Mark Chapman for a while now. I think he offers some really niggly spin, and he's great in the field, and, and, and he can bat, which we've seen here. So I think that he is a remedy to some issues that we have. Uh, in terms of balance, I think, and, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens as we get closer to that uh, T20 World Cup later in the year. What, what what are your standouts from this series? Do you have any that you've seen? Well, I mean, Chapman's obviously the, the first name that you, you bring up. I think that um, probably a lot of the things we talked about last week have, have kind of continued in the fact that 
Uh, well, certainly Finn Allen scoring his 100 is, is, is really exciting because I, I think probably all of us around the table, and I would say most listeners in New Zealand, I think probably want him to succeed. The, the, I think that would be the number one option for New Zealand is to go into this T20 World Cup with Finn Allen opening and being able to change the game from the top of the order. So we, we, let me ask you this question. Where does he sit in New Zealand's white ball plans, do you think he is our first choice opener, or oh, I think the way that they've used him suggests to me that that is definitely Plan A. Because you look at obviously we had Daryl Mitchell in the T Twenty World Cup who opened, but Daryl Mitchell in on this whole tour. So Martin Guptill sat out one of these games. Dane Cleaver went up to open. It wasn't it wasn't Daryl Mitchell. It was Daryl Mitchell still playing his role in the middle of the order, kind of coming in. Yeah, back half of the innings trying to finish the job, which seems to suggest that that's where they see his role. I mean, I know that that's where they saw his role before that T20 World Cup and then suddenly he was thrust into opening and did a great job. But yeah, I still think that the way that they've been doing things, Finn Allen, he can be just such a game changer. And if they can have him and Guptill batting at, at the opening spots... Yeah, we can really, really get off to a huge start. And I, I mean, I was trying to look at the 11 and, and, and probably the way that New Zealand sets up that 11, this, the number seven spot is going to be the most fascinating almost because basically we can go in with seven batters and have Bracewell batting at seven or Chapman or, or whoever you want it to be. And then the four bowlers, which are probably, I would say, Santa, Sodi, Lockie and uh, Trent Bolt. Or you can then, or you and and then if you do that, you've got to get four overs out of Phillips, Bracewell, Nisham, which and Mitchell, which you might think, okay, we can do that. Your other option is obviously then to have your batting not well, Santner, it was Santner would be at seven, and then try and get your. But I think if you've got Allen and Guptill, then maybe you go, we can have seven batters and just go nuts here. Like these two can go nuts, and it doesn't matter if they fail. As I've got written down on the pa- on my piece of paper here, which is actually a computer screen. <laughs> What's better than having one really good finisher, and that's having two really good finishers. The way that Nisham and uh, Bracewell finished a couple of these innings, um, and Mitchell, Mitchell's doing as, it as well, as well. But yeah, he he could he could fill more of a consolidatory role or mm. whatever. But the way these guys finished is actually. It really excited me for the possibilities. You've got Guppy and Finn Allen going crazy at the top, and you've got these guys going crazy at the end. We could put up some really big scores if we get away. You know what it gives you? It actually gives you a problem in that three and four then become, or three, four, five become four into three. It becomes Conway, Williamson, Phillips, and Mitchell slash Nisham into that three, four, five spot. Because if you're going to have Bracewell at seven and you're going to have, you know, those those kinds of options, you've actually got to start making some decisions there. So it's going to be really interesting for New Zealand who they go with at number three. Is it going to be Devin Conway? Is it going to be uh, Kane Williamson to play the kind of role he played against Australia in the T20 World Cup? Look, you know, can play that in any, any, any time in the, in the rest of his career, I'd be pretty wrapped. <laughs> so, so they are the options that we've got. Well, you mentioned Lockie Ferguson, Raj. What did we make of him? Or did you mention him, Stu? I can't remember. Yeah, Someone did. Uh, we all what, know who he is. What did we What did we make of Lockie Ferguson in this Ireland Scotland series? He looked really, really good at times. He looked like he was really able to assert his dominance on a game of cricket again. But then in this latest Scotland um, fifty over game, he's gone for seventy seven off his ten. What do you make of it? Uh, I no real alarm bells. I just think it's nice to see him back steaming in for New Zealand. Is is probably my main takeaway. I I don't have a huge. I sort of have a lot of faith that he's a world-class bowler and, 
maybe that faith is a bit unfounded, I guess, when you kind of look at um, some of the things that have that have gone on over the past 12 months. I mean, he was absolutely on fire and then he got injured and, prob- and you know, he missed the, the T20 World Cup. He had some up and down games for, for over in the IPL. He played, yeah, I thought he did, had some brilliant games, but he had also games where he went, he did get carted. I think Faf took him to, to town one day. But, you know, I, I think that, it's it's not really a worry. He he has a lot of different tools now as a bowler, certainly as a T20 bowler, the variations that he has. Yeah, I would expect to see him penciled into that lineup pretty comfortably, but yeah, obviously you want you would like him to be taking wickets. Is it a concern for you? I know this tour is a little bit of an outlier here, but is it a concern that Scotland is putting 300 up against our bowling attack? Uh again, I I don't think there's many people in that ODI lineup that'll actually be. I mean, there's Sentner and the Sentner and Sodi, and then there's Lockie, but the other ones, yeah, I don't. Southie, you got Bolt. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I'm not too concerned, and and yeah, look, they had them 107 for five. Whether they kind of took the the foot off the gas and kind of went, oh well, we'll just kind of carry on this this time. Like Bracewell was bowling at 10 overs. I, I don't think we're ever going to get in a situation where. He's going to be coming on after ten overs. Not that that was the problem. He did did a really good job in that game. But yeah, I just think this 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 whole scenario here for New Zealand. Then we've got game against Netherlands. Then we go to the West Indies. The West Indies and then the Australia part of the tour that's coming up. I think that's where you'll see us play the kind of cricket with players being put in the positions that they expect to be put in for World Cups. I think that's when we should probably take more notice. Aside from the fact that now it's just good to see people getting runs because, you know, you go on a tour like this and if you lose games, well, that's something New Zealand has actually done well in these against the the teams that are lower down in the rankings. Traditionally, I think we, we always seem to beat them. We don't really seem to have uh, games where we come out and, and lose some of those those games that are, I guess, almost banana skin games rather than mm. actual uh, things we should be too concerned about. Before we move on, we probably should give Michael Bracewell a little bit of a wrap and a shout out because he came onto the test scene and you know got a bit of a hiding from those England test players with the ball. You know, he went at sixes and sevens in the test series, was really confident in continuing to throw the ball up and, and give it some air and give himself the opportunity to take wickets. But unfortunately, in those circumstances, the bat has got the better of him. Having a look at this series, it looks like he's really come back for New Zealand with the ball and given a really good account of himself. I mean, three for 43 off 10 when the opposition makes 300 is a really good effort. And if you have a look at his recent performances with the ball, there's a lot to like there for New Zealand in terms of his development on this tour. Yeah, look, and I think you mentioned Chapman before and his spin. I, I do think Bracewell is a much better option from a spin bowling perspective. I I would, you know, batting, it's probably quite hard to tell really because they're playing different roles and they've, Chapman hasn't, like, we've seen Bracewell, I guess, for a more prolonged period on this tour, whereas we've seen Chapman for, for two games and, yeah, look, they've they've been yeah Bracewell's been the finisher, whereas Chapman's kind of coming in in the in the middle order. So, yeah, I, I would say that those two are kind of fighting fighting for their positions. But look, like I, I think I've said it all along, and Bracewell has taken absolutely every opportunity that's been offered to him, and really now is is putting himself firmly in in contention for for both those World Cups. The one last thing I will say about this tour is probably it's highlighted. Uh, the wicket keeping situation in New Zealand and when I you know tried to sort of make a very early kind of this is my 15 for the the T20 World Cup 
it's becoming increasingly clear that I think Devin Conway is going to be the keeper in that in that T20 World Cup. I know he was last time until he punched him, punched his bat and and uh, and missed out on on that final. But you know, I I don't know how anyone else can kind of get into that lineup with the way that all the other batters that we've been talking about have uh, have been you know performing in this series, and probably that means that uh, Dane Cleaver is is done enough I think on this tour he's, he's had a couple of good innings he's done enough to kind of work his way into into the 15 as a backup as as a backup but I would say that's firmly a backup unless they just decide look we're going to go with no keepers here and we're going to have if someone gets injured then or if Conway gets injured then we're going to go with Phillips or we're going to go with Tom Latham well yeah maybe Latham but I, I think I think you'd have Cleaver over over Latham in a T20 just because he can offer a few different roles but yeah I, I don't know i like I say, it's it's interesting, and, and they're probably in a situation now where they're going to just double down on the on the fact that we're not taking specialists into this, and uh, yeah, we're really just going to back Conway and say good luck. Let's let's back the rest of our side to to do this in the T twenties. Moving along swiftly, Commonwealth Games are on in Birmingham. For anyone who hasn't been paying attention to the Commonwealth Games, twenty twenty two Commonwealth Games are being held in Binksy's hometown, the city of Birmingham, uh, in the middle of England. New Zealand are competing at cricket, women's cricket T20. There's medals on offer for the women. How have New Zealand done in their opening game against South Africa? A key game in that pool play. Yeah, excellent, excellent win. Um, I mean, that, you know, when we when we talked to Sophie about it, we sort of talked about the strength of the pools. And, and actually, yeah, I think she, she kind of, not corrected us, but pointed out that actually both pools are, are very strong. And there's kind of... The you know Australia and India probably favoured to to head the top two on in uh, the opposite pool, but New Zealand, South Africa, England were the the three leading teams in our pool, and, and only two of them are going to get through. So really, it, that what that means is that those two get those games when those teams play each other are going to be massively significant. And New Zealand played South Africa and won that game, and and you would think if everything kind of goes to script, I guess for the next in terms of weather and results all going their way that that puts New Zealand into a, at least a semi-final spot and from there obviously anything can happen and you're putting yourself in, in the medal hunt so yeah really really nice positive result. Uh, just from from that game's perspective I liked the way that we batted I thought that um, when Susie Bates was there she was about to run a ball in the high mm. 40s I was like what's going on here we're digging a bit of a hole for ourselves but then she just exploded 91 not out off 64 I think she did a really good job and even though it, it says New Zealand women won by 13 runs, I think that that game was a lot more comfortable than the actual uh, end score looked. So I think it was a good performance. Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're spot on there because I think South Africa needed... Oh, I forget the complete you know, the, the complete breakdown, but we were always way, way sort of in advance. And yeah, they had a boundary off the last ball. When they needed 18, you know, 18 off one ball, they had a boundary. 13 actually doesn't... Yeah, like you say, it doesn't sound like much, but we were very firmly in control of that game for... For a long time, and, and you, I mean, look, you look at you look at that lineup, and those three players that performed for us with with the bat have also contributed with the ball, and and I guess are the the people that we would expect to contribute throughout this tournament for New Zealand is going to go a long way. And uh, Australia, Baldy, they had a little bit of a scare. Tell us about that early on. Well, Australia seemed to find ways to win cricket games, don't they? That women's side is such a strong side; they've got depth up and down the order. They've got match winners everywhere in this case I think it was Ash Gardner came in and, and saved Australia from being 30 for 4 
against uh, against India, and it, but it just shows that Australian side is so capable in pressure situations that whenever they feel themselves under pressure, there's one of the ladies in that side will just stand up and be counted, and that's why that they're such a, a dominant, dominant cricket side. So Australia have won their opening game against India. Uh, Barbados took care of Pakistan in that opening game, uh, so their 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 season is underway. Pakistan looks like they're out now, so game two they've lost to India. India now on the board. Um, and Australia have just taken care of Barbados in, in pretty comfortable fashion uh, in day two or day three or, or whatever it is of play. Uh, so Australia are looking pretty comfortable to get out of the group stage in that group. India are now on the board and fighting for um, a spot effectively at the at the second part of, of Group A against Barbados. So that last game, India against Barbados, will effectively be a playoff to see who comes out of that group. You would think Australia would get... Um, get ahead of Pakistan and take care of business there. In Pool B, have you got the results there, Raj? You've got the the England women are at the top of Pool B. I mean, they've only played one game each. Um, So that makes the England-South Africa game really, really important, doesn't it? So for South Africa to put pressure on New Zealand, they really need to beat England in their pool play, which I think is up next. Yeah. And then England and New Zealand play the last game of the pool. So New Zealand have a very winnable match against Sri Lanka coming up. That'll be their next game in the next day or so. Yeah, and and then they'll finish against England. And that will be effectively, I think, if things go according to plan, will be for the top of that pool and the right to avoid probably Australia in the semi-final. And and you you hit the nail on the head right there. I mean that that's the key thing for New Zealand. Like if you can, if they can get themselves to the top of this group and kind of and pl- give give themselves a shot against India rather than Australia because I mean look let's be honest as much as um, we might not want to admit it here or Baldy's quite happy to admit it but you know Australia should win this goal, right? They they are they've been the dominant women's cricket side for a, a long long time and they well, they very much deserve to be warm, warm favourites. So, look, if, if New Zealand can do anything to kind of steer clear of them for as long as they can, then that would be absolutely the uh, the ideal result. Well, I was going to say, that gives New Zealand really the best chance of, of taking home a medal from this cricket tournament, right? If they can avoid Australia in the semi-final, that gets them a really, really good shot, probably against India. You know, New Zealand would fancy themselves in that game. Yeah, they played well against India in the, the series here and then in that World Cup. So, yeah, I, th- I think they they would back themselves against India. And then you're in the gold medal game and anything can happen. Yeah, I've just been looking at the structure of this tournament. I'm a bit concerned at looks like it might just be a straight semi-final. There's no eliminator or anything. <laughs> it's, it's, it's very straightforward. Unfortunately, <laughs> the uh, the powers that be that organise the T20 League tournaments haven't gotten involved in the organising of the final. So there's only semi-finals and final in this tournament. But you do get a bronze medal playoff, so there is an extra game. Well, that's that's at least we have something something to think about there, and to to slightly change it up from from all the uh, the boredom of just a, a semi final or final. I've always thought that they the day before the IPL final they should make the last two teams play off. <laughs> that would be a great for the finish. wooden spoon. Yeah, that would be fantastic. That just about actually wraps up. <laughs> Episode 102, the slightly shorter episode of the Top Order podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it. Stay tuned. Uh, next week, we'll be back in your feed with another This Week in Cricket. We'll wrap up the, the action from the Commonwealth Games and all the cricket news from around the world, as well as another episode of the Top Order podcast, Hall of Fame, coming your way as well. We'll have a couple of Pakistan players. We'll have, well, let's see who we've got in there. We've probably got another Australian. Uh, we'll have a couple <laughs> of South Africans in there as well. Uh, plenty to talk about on the Hall of Fame, so stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, take care of yourselves and each other and we'll see you next time on the Top Order Podcast.